Come spring, they sought help from Native Americans. Long have we awaited the coming of the white man and Carl. Thanks, and welcome to the United States of America. Have a flag. And while you're at it, cover your nakedness and worship our Lord. Yeah, yeah, I'll get right on it. Now, in order to aid your journey across the land, I offer you the guidance of my daughter, Zacajuia. In our language, her name means little know-it-all who won't shut her maze hole. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode FABF06. It is the 11th episode of the 15th season. It is one of those trilogy episodes, which you all know I'm not a huge fan of. It's Magical History Tour. I'm Dando. And I am Guy. Roll up! Roll up for the History Tour! (laughs) I I didn't mind this. Yeah, (laughs) when this started I went, oh no, it's one of these ones. And Uh, These are always dead. I know they're not bad episodes. They're just not my cup of tea. Of all the ones we've reviewed in recent seasons, this is one of the better ones for sure. I think it's just because I, I understand, I understood the source material more than previous ones. They weren't that's uh, true, so, so yeah. American-based stories. I guess, although I am not all that familiar with Sacagawea. Neither. No, that was the one I wasn't overly aware of. I, I know, I know briefly, but yeah. So anyway, man, how was your Easter break? We had a few days off here from recording. What, what did you get? Get some Easter eggs from the lovely Louise, or? We sort of made a decision that we, well, I think we're coming to a, a conclusion that we need to maybe take better care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, and running parallel with that, it's like, eh, we'll go a bit easy on the chocolate this time around. And of course, we were also very disorganised and did our Easter shopping on Saturday night. So that sort of did the decision for us as well. But we found some good stuff to give to younger people and other people in our lives, and we had a little bit of chocolate here and there, but uh, no, it, it was mainly just a nice uh, nice break. Yeah. There was a lot going on. It was the lovely Louise's eldest son's 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. So he had a bit going on. He had a very nice dinner out at a, uh, a restaurant in town. Um, he was trying various alcoholic drinks from the menu, and we were egging him on. No, not, not that much, but we were saying, hey, try a little bit of this one if you like, see, here you go. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of celebration going on and just a bit of chilling, hanging out and enjoying each other's company. How about, but more importantly, how was Easter in the Dando household? Because, you know, you've got little ones there and little ones like Easter. Well, this was the first Easter that Elliot sort of understood the concept of finding eggs and Easter bunnies coming and things like that. And so basically we had an Easter hunt and then we had about six others throughout the day where I just rehid the eggs because he was just so excited about hiding the eggs. <laughs> like, he, he knew they were the same ones, but he didn't care, just loved the, the concept of finding these eggs, you know? Yeah. And can I just say, men, but, men are hunters, what can I tell you? Yeah, a bit of a hack. If you live in Geelong, right, uh, <laughs> Kmart, Kmart in Belmont, we went out there on Easter morning because we had to get a few things for um, from the supermarket. I don't know why we are out at Kmart. We had to get something for a few, from the coals out there. <laughs> and um, I went in and all Easter eggs were marked down to 30% of their cost. So what? those box of eggs that we get like 15 sort of medium-sized eggs, not, you wouldn't say small, not the mini ones, but the smallish eggs. Yes. Normally they're $9 for a box of 15. Well, they're, they're now three. And they'll, they'll have a whole crates full of them. So I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I just did my Easter shopping on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you live in Geelong, head out to Kmart uh, on the Easter morning in Belmont and just 
get heaps of cheap chocolate. It's great. A very good life hack from Mr. Dando. Mm, full of them. KFC hacks and Easter egg hacks. But yeah, the, the Easter egg... <laughs> Just unhealthy hacks. Exactly, yes, yes. Not looking after himself. <laughs> but the, the, Easter egg, um, the Easter egg hunts were a lot of fun. I'm a big kid, so I enjoyed um, hiding the eggs, trying to find new places to do it. Except I made the mistake, be careful, people. If you do hide eggs in the microwave, make sure you make you get your child to take it out if, they, if they're doing a hunt because we forgot and I forgot it was in there and Nicola oh. chucked a, a, a coffee or something to, to warm it up because it had gone cold hadn't seen this egg that had gone down the back put the coffee in turned it on oh wrapped in foil <laughs> yeah. oh no yeah uh, the microwave still works but um, that could have been a catastrophe so be careful <laughs> if you're hiding aluminium in, in the microwave <laughs> uh, you're just full of the hacks tonight. Well done. <laughs> Not sure that's a hack. It's more common sense, but... <laughs> yep. to, quote, to quote the movie American Hustle, no metal in the science oven. Exactly right. But yes, as you were saying earlier, Magical History Tour, it was fine. I, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm. there's not going to be a very in-depth review because there's not really much to dissect. It's just the Simpsons version of real-life events. You know, a bit of a piss take here, a bit of a piss take there. Yeah. It's got its funny moments, but there's nothing really to delve into. It's kind of like a Treehouse of Horror. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. It is indeed. And uh, yeah, it's it's a showcase for, uh, yes, not only Springfield's first family, but, you know, the various uh, supporting characters that pop up. You've got some that pop up a bit, a few, uh, a bit more frequently than others, but it's always nice to see some that you would not really expect. I mean, uh, We'll get, as I say, we'll get to it when we get to it. But uh, there was certainly one voice that I was happy to hear. I enjoy her voice when, when I do hear it. It's not all that often. So that, so that was good. But you're right. I mean, this is essentially Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa playing dress-ups. Also, very little Maggie in this episode. Yeah, I guess, but, yeah. um, but that's all right. I mean, you know, that's to be expected, I guess. But uh, yeah, uh, The Simpsons Variety Half Hour. Yeah, is essentially what it was, and but I but I had a bit of fun with that. Yeah, I, I was a bit concerned because I feel like season fifteen, all the episodes so far, have been, I think have been pretty good. They've been they've been enjoyable. And when I saw this one starting, I was like, oh no! Okay, but I was I was willing to forget about it because like these ones aren't you know not, aren't sort of like canon. They're not they're just sort of there. They're just sort of like filler episodes that yeah. have one a season. But you know, as you said, it was enjoyable. Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moment from Marginal History Tour? I've got a fair few. Oh wow! Actually, I've only written one. I've only written one here. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get my well, one out of the way. But I'm sure there's yeah, others. Do you want to start? Then I'll just wrap it yeah. on forever. I liked. Um, I liked Mozart saying, "I can't hear you." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, what did you enjoy? Uh, I've got to say, out of the Henry the Eighth one, I was very partial to. Uh, Homer as Henry having the dream about Bart as his son. That was very good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that was great. So, get out of my dreams and into my wife. I wrote that here. I'm like, Guy, in brackets, Guy will love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Enjoyed that very much. And there was a, a really great sort of one, two, three combination of gags. Uh, I think, I'm, I'm not sure which one he married. It might have been when he married Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. <laughs> right, let's put a son in the oven. <laughs> Gets busy right away. The sign comes up, prints under construction. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, Henry, which of course is a you know, a riff on the oh, Henry candy bar. Yes. So it's like, oh, nicely done. A good one, two, three punch. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well done to uh, Brian Kelly, the writer of this episode. Yeah, Brian Kelly came up with a few uh, just winner one-liners. Here, yeah, I, I was really impressed with that get out of my dreams and into my wife. I was wife. like, that is, that is very, it's kind of like the... Uh, um, 
from the robot one where it goes, she's killing him softly with its song. song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else did I enjoy? Um, I am very partial to both fops and dandies. Oh, I knew you'd like this as well, yes. So to have fops, <laughs> to have fops versus dandies, I think, was um, extremely enjoyable. Also, a good musical episode this time around. I liked Homer's Henry VIII song, which is, you know, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. But I don't know if they were the original lyrics for dessert. I'll have dinner again. <laughs> that was great. Um, but the musical fruit lyrics. Yeah, that was actually quite. That was actually pretty enjoyable, wasn't it? Yeah. Is you're that right. the actual beans? Beans the musical fruit. The more you eat, the more you. Well, that's what I assumed it was going to be. Because I mean, obviously, Bart um, sang this in what episode did we review recently where he sang that Whacking Day. Yeah. Yeah, but this felt like it had more lyrics that had a little more, shall I say, depth and substance yeah. to them. <laughs> So, yeah, props to, what was his name? Brian Kelly, did you say? Brian Kelly was the writer of this, yeah. All right, good work, Brian Kelly. So, yeah, that was some of my favourites. And uh, look, I won't keep us too long because we've got trivia to do, but I'll also allude to what I enjoyed a lot as we make our way through the episode. Brian Kelly has also written for SNL, News Radio, Clerks, Futurama and The Simpsons. Wow, that's a, that's a solid uh, Pretty solid good resume, resume there, yeah. News Radio, one of those forgotten podcast, uh, forgotten sitcoms that I really enjoyed. News Radio was good, really good cast yeah. as well, and it had um Trevor himself, had Phil Hartman, yeah, indeed. Also, uh, podcast sensation and our main rival in the podcasting <laughs> sphere, uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> it sure did, yes. Be- before indeed. he was anybody, yeah. yeah. We're coming for you, Rogan. <laughs> Have you seen that clip? I saw it on YouTube recently of him laughing at something Mike Tyson said, but Mike Tyson wasn't joking. Oh dear! And he sort of he laughs. It's like at Mike Tyson's expense as well. And Mike Tyson goes, "That wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke." And he's like, "Yo, shut up!" And then you can just hear, like, although Joe Rogan's not saying anything, you can look at his face and you know inside he's going, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" Like, yeah, I, I may do a bit of MMA and a bit of DMT as well, but yeah, I don't think that's going to come in handy against Iron Mike. <laughs> no. Even even when how recent was this? Was oh, it, when was the clip? Oh, I'm actually yeah, not too was sure. An older one uh, well, the video was yeah. uploaded a year ago. I'm not sure when the interview was. Yeah. Okay. No idea. But yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny just seeing Joe Rogan go, "Oh shit! Oh dear! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste? All right. It is time for some trivia, Mr. Davis. But before we do that, we need to read out some shout outs from our twenty dollars patrons who are keeping the lights on here at Four Finger Discount Studios. We appreciate all of these. Fine, fine people. Do you mean global heroes? Global heroes, yes. Universal heroes, some would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got Andrew Zerr, the man himself. We've got Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan, Flood, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Jonathan <laughs> Rossi, Zach Pruitt from the You Can't Disappoint, a podcast, community podcast, Christopher Darby, our man from What Culture, Timothy Belson, Joel Yoland, Jordan Moleman, Richie, the original patron, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer. Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, Adam Sanderson, George McMenemy, my wrestling buddy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, and the one, and some would say only, Declan Phoenix. Thank you so much for all of your support, you beautiful people. One word, three syllables, champions. They are the champions. They certainly are, but not just them. Everyone who you know donates a uh, puts a few bucks in the yeah, four finger discount tip jar, we'd love each and every one of you. 
We'd love each and every one of you just for listening, just in general. We do, well, but true. we do also really do appreciate the uh, financial support that comes from our patrons as well. It does help us continue this show and help grow yeah. and do other shows and pay 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 guys taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Clearing things up with the ATO. And also, it's starting to get cold in Australia. <laughs> so, yes, we need to keep warm in the winter months. All right, trivia now for Magical History Tour. My first question is... Okay. Which dude did Henry VIII marry? Um, Otto. Otto, correct. <laughs> if you get this, mm. I'm going to give you two points. Oh, ah, two points. <laughs> it feels like it's like whose line is it anyway? The points mean nothing. <laughs> that, that is true. We're not, we're not exactly keeping count. You give me a million like points, it wouldn't challenge. matter. <laughs> <laughs> we should start. We should start ne- doing this next we season. Sh- let's actually keep a tally and let's see who wins. Yes. Yes, and then you know you can give yourself fifty bucks or something. <laughs> Because uh, you you invariably win. Uh, what night and what channel does Itchy and Scratchy appear? Because it's on a poster in the library. Thursdays. You are not correct. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Itchy and Scratchy is on Channel 6 on a Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. My next question is, according to Homer, or Homer in this episode, what does Sacagawea stand for in their tribe? It stands for little know-it-all who won't shut her maze hole. Correct. That's one of your questions, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, no, but I thought it was a good line, so I wrote it down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the name of Otto's character in the Sacagawea segment? Oh, I, is it tw- Tweedleburger? Tweedle something? Tweedleburger. Tweedleburger? Yes, mm. got it. <laughs> <laughs> Before I, you correct yourself, I'm going to jump in and say, you got it. I knew that because I looked it up to make sure that there was no such thing as a Twiddleburger. No, no one exists under that name, but no. I thought it might have been, uh, you know, Lewis and Clark fucked over some guy called Twiddleburger took all the credit, but no, never happened. That'd be harsh. Yes. My final question is, what was the name of the big symphony that Mozart was playing? You said it before. Oh, the musical fruit. Correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my final question to you what kind of sticker, or better, does Milhouse have to get on his uh, history assignment? Is it a giraffe? No, it is no. a. It is a vegetable. A vegetable. I'm going to help you out here. I was going to say it's a pumpkin, but I was like, yeah, I thought pumpkin was a. Oh yeah, of course it's a vegetable. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm 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 tired. It's a vegetable, and I really butchered the Halloween theme there because like Halloween jack o' lantern pumpkin. Will he get it? I'm like, pumpkin, that's not a fruit. No, of course it's not. You said vegetable. <laughs> pumpkin. Yes, it was pumpkin. That's right. Was it a half pumpkin? Did you get a half pumpkin or something? I think you had to get a pumpkin sticker or better. Or better. Okay. All right. So that is trivia for Magical History Tour. We'll be right back after this short break with our somewhat in-depth review of the episode. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Everyone's favorite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. Yes, it is Tales of Futurama. Each week we'll be going back and revisiting every episode of the series, discussing the themes, gags, and all the Easter eggs you may not have seen the first time around. It's Tales of Futurama, available now exclusively at patreon.com slash discount. The 
The original Air Day of Magical History tour was February 8th in 2004, was written by Brian Kelly, as I mentioned earlier, and directed by Mike B. Anderson. There was no special guest star this week, but there was a couch gag, and it was the one where the couch is replaced by a giant microwave, and someone puts a tray inside, presses the button, and the Simpsons rise from the tray as it cooks. Mm, luckily, no delicious. egg in there. Exactly, yes. No Easter egg, for sure. <laughs> So the first story, oh, actually the episode kicks off with um with the family at the Springfield Library and it's all gone to shit. There's no books, there's nothing in there at all, just a Xerox machine that's apparently not working and there's now the Multimedia Learning Centre for Children of All Ages, mostly <laughs> homeless people there. Mostly bums, yes, <laughs> including Homer, bumming out. Yes, exactly. Lisa's going through, they've got Everybody Poops, the video, Yu-Gi-Oh! Price Guards, there's hardly any books in this library and Millhouse is annoyed because, you know... He has to score a pumpkin sticker all, all better on um on his Henry VIII paper at school. And thankfully, Marge here, she's going to take them on a, a magical history tour. Apparently, what? she knows a lot about history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always partial to go, what? And Marge says, get, uh, sit down, children, gather around. I'll tell you the story of Henry VIII. And it kicks off with the song that you were discussing earlier. Which is a take on which song was it again? Well, it's I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. And I want to say Gilbert and Sullivan. But okay. I, I, but then at the same time, I don't want to say that because I'd be completely wrong. So let me have a look on Google. So singing the 1911 Music Hall song, I'm Henry VIII, I Am. Oh, okay. Yeah, it says here, well, the lyrics, however, are altered to refer to the king's enormous appetite and reputation for gluttony. Henry also wipes his face with Magna Carta, a document which limits the power of the monarchy and forms the basis of the constitution of the UK. Mm. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> you, you had fun and you learned a little something too. Henry the Eighth, I am. Henry the Eighth, I am, I am. I've been eating since 6 a.m. For dessert, I'll have dinner again. My name's synonymous with gluttony. I'll always eat a turkey or a ham. Stop singing that song. We all know who you are. But yeah, so he exp- explains, or Marge says, um, no, can you please stop singing that song? She explains, you planted the, or he said, I planted the seed in your womb. What are you doing in here? It doesn't even say womb. He says womanly dirt. Which oh, is, dirt, does he? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, he refers to her womb as, I planted my seed in your womanly dirt. Oh, my. <laughs> and I must admit, even I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Even I was saying that. Homer, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> um, Dr. Nick says she's, says she's actually been planted with sea serpents. And with- <laughs> It's a funny visual. I got to. Yeah, yeah, yes. And we get Homer here having that dream you mentioned earlier. Messiah dude. Messiah dude. Messiah dude. Father dearest, I am the son you crave. I'm smart, athletic, and ever so masculine. Could a girl belch like this? Oh, my beautiful boy. Why can't I have you? I don't know. Too much jerk in your merkin? You little dog! Get out of my dreams and into my wife! This was actually, this was quite enjoyable. And just just ending with they get out of my dreams and into my wife was just like, nice touch. It, it was indeed Chef's Kiss. Uh, I must point out, however, that uh, as fun as it is to say, one does not jerk a merkin. No. They do. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, that, you I can, like, I suppose, but uh, <laughs> a, a merkin, uh, for those not in the know, is a pubic wig. Oh. Hmm. I just assumed you just as another word for gherkin. <laughs> <laughs> no, a merkin is. Um, I mean, I'm assuming dudes can wear one, but uh, yeah. it's a Davis history tour here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Don't ask me how I know about the Merkin. But this podcast was... is a learning centre for children of all ages. <laughs> and perverts. <laughs> What's it? So a pubic wig. So why would you wear a pubic wig? That's what? a really good question. Um, shall we Google this too? Although this could lead us into nah, uncharted territory. We'll, we'll, get it, we'll get arrested. Uh, no, nah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> I want to Google pu- pubic wig. Merkin. So how, how did you know this information anyway? Did you look this uh, up? That is just something you pick up along the way. Merkins uh, we were go. worn by sex workers after shaving their mons pubis and are now used as decorative items, erotic devices, or in films for, by both men and women. Hmm. So it's people who have shaved the whole kit and caboodle off use that to pretend they haven't. So a pubic wig called a merkin is artificial hair meant to cover a person's genitals. This type of wig is often used by women for the purpose of covering their genitals during performances such as in nude movie scenes. Oh, okay. So if in a movie yeah. someone's got a, a forest down there, it's probably a merkin. That is correct. Yes. I mean, yeah, there, you go. Th- there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when um, you just let you let it run wild and free down there rather than, you know, shaving to within an inch of your life. But uh, and but sometimes, you know, people did and they wanted to cover it up. Hence the merkin. So, so this, this might be a silly question, I don't know, but for, forgive me, listeners, but just say, you know, 80s. Right, seventies, eighties, when mm-hmm. hair was free flowing down there. Yeah, if someone got it all off, was that just like, oh my, was that like taboo, or was it just another norm that just oh, so either you did or you didn't? Kind of. It's funny. There's there's a movie that I really dig again for perverts um, called Body Double. Uh, it's like an, an erotic thriller from the 80s, and it's sort of set in the porn world. We need more erotic thrillers. We do indeed, and this is a good one, but it's also. From a great filmmaker named Brian Datama, who did The Untouchables. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, but he was just a notorious pervert. Um, I miss him. He he come back, make more movies, Brian Datama. Guy Davis, he was a notorious pervert. I miss him. <laughs> uh, but the lovely Melanie Griffith in this plays a porn star okay. named Holly Body, mm-hmm. and um, she gets sort of roped into this murder mystery, and this guy is pretending to be a porno producer to find out what she knows and he she thinks she's interviewed for a movie and she has this list of things that she will not do she says okay i won't do this i won't do that i won't shave my pussy and it's like wow <laughs> you'd be hard pressed to find anyone born these days who does not <laughs> yeah, I know. so anyway we've taken a bit of a side turn here uh, but um body double that's your question to answer your question if someone's got the whole kit and caboodle off was it? Yeah, oh I d- my. Well, that's this was presuming I was seeing people without their pants off in the eighties. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> Even porn was did, hard to come by. To then. Pa- did did you have to pay extra to see some of the whole kick your off in those theaters that you used to you used to visit on a frequent oh, basis? That's a really good question. Because um, I respected the ladies who were taking the clothes off, and I looked them in the eye. I was like, "You deserve my. <laughs> I'm treating you like a human being. My, my full attention. <laughs> yes, indeed." They were like, don't creep us out, kid. <laughs> Let's um, get back. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> what are you looking at, kid? I don't know. <laughs> I'm new here myself. Uh, I, I think we should move away from this topic. Yes, okay. So and continue Merkins. with... Um, but uh, we, yes, we're done with... Um, Jerkin Merkins, get out of my dreams and into my wife. Marge wishes that she married the King of France. And we get another gay joke here. I could have done with that ting-a-ling-a-ling. They're running rampant in season 15. <laughs> they are indeed. Um, is there another sort of... Oh, I guess fops and dandies could be viewed as 
as a bit of a gay joke, but that's really more... Fops and dandies aren't really gay. They're just sort of metrosexuals. Yeah, it's just sort of playing up there. It's not a fruity gag yes. like Marge was implying here. Like, I wish I had married him because then he wouldn't want sex, if you know what I mean. mean I'm yes. like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, but Anne Boleyn, uh, she shows <laughs> off her childbearing hips that I, have been a child to cut out of. By the way, a subtle come out tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> was this uh, Now, was this meant to be Lindsay Nagel, do you think? I'm not sure. Probably. It's the kind of thing she would do. Yeah. She, it's, just she struck me as a bit Nagelish. Yep, yep. Or Nagley. Marge says, you know, we have to go to marriage counselling, which they do. And Homer says, here, look, I want to marry Anne Boleyn, but I can't chop my wife's head off because her father is the king of Spain. Mm. So he's in a bit of a predicament here. And basically just Henry VIII is using his power, being corrupt to ensure that everyone agrees with what he's saying. And anyone who disagrees with his beliefs, he threatens them with death, including Flanders, who plays the chant, uh, the counsellor. Who does he play here? Uh, Thomas More, the Lord, Lord Chancellor. Cha- yeah, Chancellor, that's right. Yes, yes. Flanders, yes. Yeah. And he shoots him out of the cannon. I think I learned a bit about Thomas More back in history class back in the day, but unfortunately that has sort of gone uh, gone, <laughs> gone, the, gone the way of all things. <laughs> yeah. More important stuff, like uh, what Netflix series is coming out next month. That is correct. And also, you know, the history of Merkins. Speaking of, I'm very excited. Guess what I'm going to watch the first episode of once we finish this? I don't know. Tell me. Better Call Saul, the final season. Oh, it's back. It's back, yeah. baby. Apparently two episodes came out and I was very excited. But also, we've just started watching Moon Knight as well. Very good show. Ah, yeah. I've, I've watched the first episode, and I believe a new episode has just dropped this evening. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's episode four, I believe. It's so awesome seeing Oscar Isaac allowed to act, <laughs> given, given material that you can actually run with and do something with. It's, so he's it's, sink it's, his teeth into both yeah, him watched, and my man Ethan Hawke. Yeah, oh, man. It's so weird. The role he plays, you just wouldn't see Ethan Hawke playing it, but no, nah, he nails it. It's very good. Very good stuff, Moon Knight. And I, if you're a listener out there who's not into superheroes, Nicola isn't either, and she loves Moon Knight. So you don't have to be a superhero lover to enjoy this. It has no ties. I mean, eventually, I think it will have ties to the MCU, but you have to have no prior knowledge of the MCU to enjoy this show. Much like, you know, in WandaVision, you had to understand the vision mm. and uh, and Wonder relationship. And it's like, if you didn't understand that, you're like, what the fuck's going on? This one is nothing like that. It's just, it's its own separate thing. Moon Knight, highly recommended. But Marge, uh, she says, we're going to get divorced here. And she does, and she gets half his shit. <laughs> half half I watched um, Shrek today with Holly a bit of Shrek and he was saying half 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 in this uh, a donkey and I was like Eddie Murphy the, Eddie Murphy saying half is one of life's sheer joys <laughs> half is shit just about anything Eddie says is, a, is yeah. sheer joy but yeah oh. that's stuff from Eddie what have you done for me lately Eddie whenever there's a guy well, you know Eddie the guy yeah well, yeah I yeah. used to say I think I yeah. used to say that Eddie did not like it <laughs> he doesn't like it at all does he <laughs> I think it's because he doesn't understand what you're talking about <laughs> but, and I think you'd get some new kid who some new kid would come into the uh, into the into the place occasionally and they would um, have a bit of a lip on him <laughs> yeah they would probably run Eddie what have you done for me lately oh, fucking hell another one <laughs> uh, we need one last Hurrah from Eddie Murphy, like a stand-up for Netflix or something. One final. Apparently, stand-up. he was he was supposed to be doing them. That's what well, I was supposed thought, to be doing and it one. just fizzled out. And I heard nothing about it since. Yeah, I was very excited when I heard that was going to be a thing, but that didn't seem to come out. But maybe one day. But yes, yeah, so she got divorced. Mar- Margarine has been divorced from. Her. Is it Margarine or Margarina? I think he says, according to the uh, the captions on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. it was Margarina. 
Majorina, okay. So, Ma- anyway, Marge. Marge gets divorced from Homer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Henry VIII then marries a bunch of other people, including Otto. And I'm assuming the person you were mentioning earlier, Agnes, was this the voice you like hearing? No, no. No? We're, 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 um, that's in, the voice I like is in the third story. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, Agnes appears here as well. Basically, just marries a bunch of people and realizes they can't deliver him son, so he keeps killing them and cutting their heads off. Then Mo explains oh, to Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Absolutely no. You're, you're right. It, it was this one. What an idiot. Uh, when they said, oh, you're marrying Jane Seymour, first of all, I thought it was going to be the actress Jane Seymour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, baby. Yes. Uh, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out to be <laughs> Quimby's floozy. Or Quim- oh, yes. You Quimby's- do like her, don't you? you and love I, don't, her. I, I don't mean this as a disparaging way. Quimby's bimbo. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what she is, yeah. Yeah, but, oh, I'm the queen! Oh, Henry, you're just the greatest! Oh, sorry, I just... <laughs> She's like your favourite character now. <laughs> <laughs> you're the greatest! You love yeah, it, oh, you? Henry, you're the ginchiest! And <laughs> cuts her head off immediately. <laughs> so, sorry, yes, that uh, that is something I enjoyed. But there's also another voice I enjoy in um, the third segment, okay. which we'll get to shortly. Mm-hmm. Mo explains that they're running out of pikes to stick his wife's head on. Oh, oh, running out of pikes. I'll show you running out of pikes. <laughs> oh, you were right. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think we've skipped uh, something that I really dug as well. Yeah. Uh, with Marge um, saying to Homer as Henry, I'm sorry I only gave you this daughter. And he's like, grow a penis or get lost. I think that's coming up, right? Oh. I, know, I, know, I know, we must have skipped it. Yeah, I mustn't have written that down. Sorry, yeah, yeah, but, yeah Lisa Bales, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I've heard that before. Sweetie, sometimes a daddy and a mommy decide to live apart. It's not your fault. It's just that you came out the wrong sex and ruined everything. So grow a penis or get lost. I can't. Bye-bye. Well, why can't your heir be female? Or or why can't we elect our leaders? I wonder if I could canonize a child. Living. Uh, you do feel sorry because back in these days... If you weren't a, ba- a male, you you didn't have much of a life. Not really, no. No. Although we do have a bit of a happy ending. Yes, Marge gets that. her comeuppance well, here. Marge sure. gets her comeuppance. And also, you know, Henry's daughter Elizabeth goes on to be Queen Elizabeth I, one of the That's greatest right, yes. uh, regents in English history. Yes, because Marge kills Henry VIII in his, well, not in his sleep, she smothers him with a pillow, as he she deserves. Does indeed, yes. Yeah, so Elizabeth becomes the queen. England has more, the power has never been greater, and British actresses now have a role to play when they hit a certain age. That's true. I mean, what do you um, think that certain age is? Well, it's uh, it's an interesting one because Kate Blanchett played Elizabeth I in a movie called Elizabeth back in the uh, late 90s, and she was really good. It kind of made her Hollywood career. I think a few actresses, well, on The Crown especially, you've had a bunch of them playing Queen Elizabeth II. You know, you've had... Um, Claire Foy and Oscar winner Olivia Coleman and um, that woman who played um, Dolores Umbridge, I think, is playing the Queen as well. Helen Mirren has played the Queen and an actress named Imelda Staunton, uh, who's playing old Queenie. Wasn't the... From X-Files, what's her name? Oh, Gillian uh, Anderson. Yeah, she was She was Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher, yes. Yeah, I heard she was amazing in that role. It was really interesting. I mean, uh, the lovely Louise and I were watching it together and um, I think she almost broke up with me because I kept doing my impression of Gillian Anderson <laughs> as Margaret Thatcher. It's like, Louise, I think I'd really appreciate some toast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Jim, like, are you doing Prince Philip or, or Margaret Thatcher? I said, I'm doing or, or, both. Or Don Colleone. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also get, you know, a nice boiled egg <laughs> and some avocado on the toast? <laughs> Man, Louise, like, lovely Louise. She must be lovely, I tell you. <laughs> lovely Louise, patience of a saint, that lady. <laughs> That was awesome, Mrs. S. Check plus plus, here I come. <laughs> oh. Wow, the library really is a great resource. And I just came in here to trip nerds for nothing. <laughs> Next segment here is about Sacagawea. They're in the biography section. Marge explains the Sacagawea story. Um, because when she was at school and the boys were learning math the girls were learning about Sacagawea. So here we have Lenny and Carl playing Meriwether Lewis and William Clark on their expedition. I like the much hardship. We get a bit of a Dumb and Dumber reference here with the tongues. I think it wasn't Dumb and Dumber. They weren't the first ones to do this, but they're the ones that are recognized for it, aren't they? I think so. Either that or a movie from the 80s called A Christmas Story. Do you know that one? Okay. I don't. I know of it. I have not. don't think I've seen it, no. Yeah. With... Um Someone gets Is that the one double- with the kid with the glasses? Yes, and yes. He, want, he wants nothing more than a Red Rider air rifle okay. for um uh, for Christmas. And everyone mm-hmm. tells him, you don't have to get that, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And meantime, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens. Prior to Home Alone, this was kind of the... This was the 70s and 80s kids version of Home Alone because it's okay. like a, a bit of a Christmas classic. Um, cool. And yeah, someone gets double dog dead to stick their tongue on a on a... I see um, uh, metal pole, and of course yep. it sticks there. <laughs> ah, so I guess that's what Dumb and Dumber was playing up. I had, Maybe I had no it was, idea. but I think Dumb yeah. and Dumber sort of took it and ran with it. Yeah, they made it a real thing, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen the sequel? Have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber 2? Yeah, I kind of wish I didn't. Just, yeah. Have, have I, you seen I, it? I, no. It was, uh, it was so just there, and you, you get halfway through it and you go, why am I even watching this? This mm. is has, this is this. So unnecessary. You know what it was? It was that I really love Dumb and Dumber 1 so much that I couldn't help but have such high hopes for the sequel. And yeah. the fact that it had been 20 years, it was kind of like, we've waited so long. And then it came and you're like, we probably should have just kept waiting. Kind of like, <laughs> Bill and, like Bill and Ted 3. Bill and Ted 3, it didn't need to happen. No, and it didn't really, did it? I mean, no. I think everyone was like, we're happy to see you guys back. And, you know, everyone likes Keanu. It's like, oh, Alex Winter. And Alex Winter's really bringing it in this, you know. He's- but 50-year-old shaved Keanu's just weird, man. He was, and he seemed kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, it didn't didn't feel right at all. No. Yeah. I like the daughters, though. The daughters were very good. They were good. They played their roles perfectly, but I just yeah, couldn't but help it. was kind of unnecessary, the- wasn't it? Yeah, I just watched the film and go, can we not just have these girls be themselves? Why do I have to play Bill and Ted when they were dopeheads? I was like, these mm. girls acting this way doesn't feel natural at all. Like, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, can't I just be <laughs> Bill and Ted's daughters? Do I have to be dumb- Dumbos? I don't know. Yeah. It was not a very good movie. I'm sorry. I yeah. wanted to I wanted to love Bill and Ted 3 because I loved the second movie. The first yeah. one's pretty good. Second one, I love and adore. Third one, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right, anyway. back to the Sacagawea story. Yeah, Sacagawea. So Lenny and Carl, as I said, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark and Expedition, uh, they're helping, uh, they arrive at the Native Americans. And- <laughs> I love that. Homer is the chief. He's like, we have awaited the arrival of white men. And Carl. And Carl. <laughs> <laughs> And they, um, I like the, here you go, have a flag. <laughs> this is so patronizing. 
Homer offers them Sacagawea, his daughter, to um to help them on the expedition. And unfortunately, Milhouse is her husband. And he's not, what is his job? Chant- he's, a, he's a tobacco merchant or something? Chant- Chantier? Or? I thought he was a killed animal. Well, he got their fur. I thought he killed animals for fur. Oh, a fur trapper, was he? Or Maybe something like that. I don't know. But like Maybe that, I misheard tobacco as trapper or something. Maybe, yeah. Or the, the other I way around. why I soldiered him. <laughs> <laughs> Sacagawea is just helping everybody. Okay, those berries are poison, those leaves are poison oak, and your belt is a snake, also poisonous. I'll tell you it's poisonous, your attitude. Mm. You know these... Oh, ah. Ooh, I'm dying. But at least people will always remember the expedition of Lewis and Clark and Tweedleburger. Oh. Also, if you're confronted by a mountain lion, try to make yourself look as big as possible. And when you get a chance, bury your friend. Hey, we're still morning. Let's get a drink. Mo says, come have a drink here. And he gets taken away by the, all the, the building. His bar gets taken away by a tornado. Nothing's going to crush the frontier spirit. And then it comes down and crushes him. Yes. That'll do it. <laughs> then we get Lewis and Clark. So I can't help but just think of Lois and Clark every time I, I read Lewis and Clark. You read the same? Now it's all I'm going to think about. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if that's what... Um... Siegel and, Siegel and Schuster had in mind when they created Superman and, and there's and his cast of characters. Possibly. Maybe they just read maybe maybe just watch this oh no, this came out later. Who knows? But maybe yes, just watch this episode. <laughs> maybe they came forward in time <laughs> seventy years. <laughs> wow, that sounds good. Season fifteen of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh they Lisa says, How'd you even get this job? Well, they did because we, we own a compass. And then we found out this was painted on. Yeah. And we're now in Washington, it's eighteen oh six and they're two years into the expedition, and they said, uh, they after two years, they should be here. Look through the window, and they're just outside. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> so they all return. And then one year later, they had the standoff with the Native Americans, but Sacagawea sees her brother. Don't kill them. They're my friends. Oh, come on. can we at least have one pity scalp? Ah, my brother-in-law. I haven't seen you since I killed all your buffalo. What onto the bridge, eh? Eh? Don't forget the eyebrows. The eyebrows are a big part of the Millhouse character, aren't they? They're the key feature of they the They really I are, yes. Yeah. I think like Millhouse's expressions are all based purely on his eyebrows. Well, he's got very little pinprick eyes, doesn't he, without the glasses? That's true, yes, yeah. yeah yep. So you've got to make up for it one way or another. And yes, um, those eyebrows are certainly a distinguishing feature. I do like it when he wiggles them. Well, it's like not many characters in The Simpsons have eyebrows. Yeah, that's, again, something I'll, I'll never not see. <laughs> <laughs> but then they find the Columbian River it says yes now we can follow it down the Pacific and have some sweet mermaid sex <laughs> no they've been having sex with salmons clearly yes yeah like oh my but then she's they're annoyed that uh, Sacagawea has an opinion uh, 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 you should be grateful for uh, for civilising you and I was like oh man that's so true Like that's just like not, not how you should be thinking but that's exactly how they would have been thinking oh, yeah. we're, we're helping you by being here we're fixing your problems like pretty sure they're happy before you came, buddy. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they're right. <laughs> and he, you know, as, as he's saying, we're civilizing you, he uses the squirrel to blow his nose and stuff. And then Sacagawea says, fuck this, and she ditches him. And, oh, she'll be back. She forgot her husband. <laughs> then she is falls, she falls asleep and she wakes up. Or she realizes, she thinks she's about to go to sleep on a rock, but it's actually a mountain lion. Right. Actually, before previous in, in this um, segment, she actually taught them, if you see a mountain lion, Pretend to be really big. They don't like it. Yes. This is actually quite a nice moment. So the, the mountain lion's about to get her. Lewis and Clark arrive and pretend to be really big and actually <laughs> love, save her. 
I just love that. We're big. We're which big. You, which you find terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the mountain lion runs away scared. <laughs> Making a little pussycat noise. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they, they call her Pocahontas. <laughs> she says, I'm second Julia. Gesundheit. <laughs> then they discover the, discover the Pacific Northwest, and they name it Eugene, Oregon. And Marge says, and she's been remembered purely because she now appears on the Sacagawea dollar, which you can turn in for a real dollar. <laughs> and then Mudge does one of her trademarks. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> which I always enjoy. It's the final segment now of Magical History Tour. And Marge is asking Bart, which historical figure would you like me to discuss? And I thought, oh, this is interesting because I forgot. I was like, I wonder who Bart's going to choose. Is it going to be someone cool? And Marge says, uh, <laughs> how about a bad boy, who, uh, bad boy rock star or bad boy muso who uh, lived fast and died young? That's right, yeah, and that really uh, takes Bart's interest. But I've got here in my notes, she says, it's like an amusement park instead of rides, there's dates to remember. Is that just her talking about history? Yes. Yes, okay, yep. yeah. It's a, yes, instead of rides, there's dates to memorize. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, we had Marge as a teacher how long ago? In the- oh, last month, we did our Patreon exclusive review of Whacking Day. Yeah, That's and she correct. was really good at it. We wish she, she stayed doing it, yeah. Yes, indeed, and she shows another a great aptitude for it here as well. Yeah, as Bart says, everyone who's looked before me is boring, but Marge brings up, as you're saying there, Mozart. And now, the star of our show, my son, Mozart. He makes Bach turn back. Haydn go into Haydn, and, well, those are the only ones there have been so far. Come on, Vienna! Are there any aficionados in the house? Yeah! Tonight in A, K331, third movement. I can't hear you! Sonata Day, K331, third movement. I liked the touch of the, you know, I can't hear because obviously Mozart tragically went deaf. You know, of, of, of all the things to go, deaf is not what you want to be. Actually, that, well, may I correct you, Dando? That was actually Beethoven. I thought Mozart lost his hearing by the time he was died. I thought he, tr- he lost his hearing as he went on, Mozart. Oh. Well, let's have a quick look at that. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Mozart lost his hearing completely by the time he was like 45 or something. I don't think he made 45. Here we go. Mozart, Mozart deaf. I've Googled it. By the time he was 44 or 45, he was totally deaf and unable to converse unless he passed written notes back and forth. He died in 1827 at the age of 56. Yeah. Look below that. I was a oh, it's Beethoven. Fuck. Okay. So I've got Mozart confused. All right. There you go. <laughs> so uh, got- oh, hang on. Why did Mozart lose his hearing? What the fuck? What... His hearing loss does not... Um, we're both right, but really I am. No, um, no but because you said Mozart didn't go deaf at all. So I knew Beethoven went deaf, but I thought Mozart lost his hearing as well. But hang on, now it's... Uh, these people are really conjoining Beethoven and Mozart because I'm opening a thing that said, how did Mozart go deaf? Yeah. I'm, I'm, and it's saying the course of his deafness remains a mystery. And then the headline is the whole story of Beethoven's deafness. Was he deaf or not? It's still not confused. Yeah, I'm, we go to Wikipedia on this because... Right, so Wolfgang Mozart. All right, so let's go on there. He died... Mozart died at 35. Mozart died at 35. Fuck, that was young, eh? Mm-hmm. So I've just gone on Wolfgang's wiki page and I've typed deaf in, as in search and the word deaf does not appear on Mozart's wiki page at all. So I think you are right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always thought that they both went deaf. I, I, just, I, just, I just assume that. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about uh, about deafness here. Yeah, no, nah, nah, completely wrong. Yep, that's why I thought the "I can't hear you" gag was a play on. Yeah, 
Hmm, interesting. <laughs> it, seems, it seems, judging from the Google search, that it's a, a commonly thing Mis- that's confused. Yeah, a commonly mis- misconception. Maybe even Brian Kelly uh, <laughs> checked Wikipedia <laughs> before it was invented. <laughs> People but, are just so, zipping all over the timeline, uh, using the internet incorrectly. So he was, th- yeah, he was 35. So Wolfgang Mozart died at 35. So you're right, 35. And he was not deaf. <laughs> Beethoven died. I, I've got like, Beethoven's whole fucking timeline, like, confused with Mozart. Okay, so that we've settled that. Mozart, not deaf. Yeah. Died young. <laughs> Beethoven also died quite young at 45. Dive. Deaf. But, but deaf, <laughs> as opposed. So that joke, not as funny anymore. It's a shame. It's ruined yeah. it. Ruined the episode for me. Why'd you do that to me, Mr. Davis? Let me live in my little bubble and think that I'm right. Yeah, sorry about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but where were we up to? Mozart is a play, playing his playing his uh, sonata in A, K331, the third movement. Uh, and going just buck wild. He's doing a bit of Hendrix. He's doing a bit of Jerry Lee Lewis in there. Mm-hmm. He's playing the piano with his butt. Um, and ladies are throwing their pantaloons and yeah, uh, shaking, their, shaking their corseted forms at him. Homer says, you know, you're going to start selling some more merch, you know, Banana Salzburg, which I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you pronounce the younger sister? Is it Salieri Sal- or brother? Salieri. Salieri. So was it a brother or sister? Well, in the, st- in the story of Mozart, which they talk about a bit later, in the movie Amadeus, he had a rival named Antonio Salieri. Who wasn't related? No relation. Okay. Just an, just another composer, perfectly competent, not that great. Insanely jealous of Mozart. Just lives in the shadow of. Okay, yeah, pretty much. And um, I mean, and how could you not be when you when you're good at something? Yeah. But there's someone who's just. It's kind of like being a Geelong footballer. We've had a good team for a decade, but there's always that one team that's just better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or you know you're playing in a team with say Danger and Joel Selwood. It's like. I had a good run, you know, I racked up nearly probably 200 games or so, kicked a bunch of goals, maybe even had a premiership, but... No one remembers you. I was kind of playing in the shadow of, you know, Joel and Patty. Salieri asks, can I be the main act? You know, you've always got Mozart there, I want to be the main act. Says that, no, you can go play with the three untalented ones. Oh. And uh, <laughs> Poor old Jackson Tito. Five reference here. Tito, get me some tissue. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a bit of Eddie Murphy stuff. Jermaine, stop teasing. <laughs> uh, but Tito, Randy and Jermaine Yes, members yeah. of the Jackson 5 That's right Says that they, they, they say Unfortunately Mozart's the one bringing in the money And we've got here lead-based I've got lead-based powder Yeah, so she's using lead-based makeup to give Oh, herself that's right that yes. So this is where the lead poisoning is coming from Yes, yeah, that yeah. delightfully pale 18th or 17th century look what is it about music that enchants us? The notes. Our next award is sponsored by Heinrich's Bratwurst. Papa, can we have a Heinrich's Bratwurst? For outstanding composer age 10 and under, the winner is... Please let me win. Mozart. <laughs> this is my other favourite because I'm always I'm always happy to hear Rainier Wolfcastle. <laughs> Especially when he's touting... Papa, may I have a Heinrich's Bratwurst? <laughs> Yay! Loved it. <laughs> are, are you a fan of my baloney has a first name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> my Vina has a second name. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just visioning like 30-year-old you watching that just being like in hysterics of laughter. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but Mozart says his next show's in Krakow, drops his pants. Then we get the fops and the dandies. Mm. I wonder what the difference is between a fop and a dandy. I don't know. They look quite similar. I thought I just assumed fop was like male and one was female, but no, they're mm. just both males dressed up like that. Or I believe so. Okay, Salieri offers the emperor a drink which will put them to sleep. Not kill the emperor, just put him to sleep yeah. so that he can appear bored during Mozart's performance here. And the fops and the dandies are enjoying it. Very, sound very similar to Hedonism Bot from Futurama. A bit. And, uh, yeah. Oh, you're mine. <laughs> and the emperor falls asleep. Oh, the emperor finds it boring, then so do we. <laughs> and Salieri accidentally puts himself to sleep as well. Then Mozart goes on a big binge. He's all depressed because he's never experienced this before. Everyone has always loved his work and now they're falling asleep and they're finding it boring. And Salieri brings in the best doctor because now he's really unwell because of the lead poisoning. Mm. And um, brings in the best doctor. Unfortunately, though, if this is the, the... The thing is, though, the doctors in these times probably weren't great. This is probably the best you're getting. You have too much blood. Indeed. <laughs> Dr. Nick was probably at the uh, top of his class. There was a whole lot of bloodletting going on back in the day. Covers him in leeches to get all the blood out. The parents are all really sad. How do we live in a world without the income you produce? I love that. <laughs> then says that, you know, Salieri, you are easily the more talented one of the of us two. And no one's going to give you the credit. Now that I'm dying young, I'll be cool forever. <laughs> and then Homer tries selling the death mask fresh off the corpse. I was like, wow, that is morbid. <laughs> but But also something that happened, I imagine. Really? Yeah, death masks were, were quite the deal back in the day. Seriously? I, uh, how, how did they make them, though? What they would they put of? plaster of Paris on a, on a dead person's face and you know, make a mould. Pretty much like yeah. you, you know, make a Freddy Krueger mask or something like that. Just reproduce them. Wowee. That, yeah. is, um, that is dark. Oh, yeah. There was, there was apparently a huge trade in death photographs. Like, you know, you'd take a photograph of the corpse and... Actually, I think I've seen these where it looks like they're alive, but they're just dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary shit. Yeah. We've <laughs> come so seen, far. Have you ever seen a dead person? Uh, well, not, not not talking about someone at a, at a funeral with an open casket. Also, when I did work experience back when I was at school, and I was I did work experience up at Channel Seven in the newsroom, mm-hmm. and I think the first story went out on they actually dragged a body out of the um out of the Yarra out of the Yarra River in Melbourne. Now this was from a distance, uh, but I was like, that's a dead body, all right. And look, without wishing to bring the mood of the room down a bit, um, I I was the first person at the hospital when uh, the night my father died, and oh, okay. I yeah. went into a, went into the room, and the staff at uh, St John of God, God bless them, uh, did right by Bobby. They put him in his PJs and put him in bed, and you know had the uh, had the covers up on him and everything like that. Looked like he was sleeping. It was that's good. It was very touching, very nice, and yeah, but. Uh, I got to say goodbye to him that way, so um, that's good. Yeah, I think, I, and I think it was a, I think it was a necessary thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think with my when my nan passed, we knew she was going to pass because she was on her last legs. I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to see them after the pass. I don't want to sort of remember them that way. I mean, if I've got the hmm. option to, you know, if you don't, yeah. if you, you don't get the option to. I had the, I was lucky enough to be able to say goodbye to my nan, knowing she was probably going to be gone within twelve hours or so. Yeah, but knowing it was my last time. And as soon as she, I think I may have mentioned it before, but as soon as she, I took Elliot in there. As soon as she said, um, "Ta-da, darling," I was like, "All right, it's time to go now." Like she, yeah. for that brief she, moment, yeah. was still there. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. now, "Now it's time to go." You know, that, my last memory is her saying "Ta-da, darling," which is how she always said goodbye. Mm. So like, at least I've got that that nice memory. But yeah, yeah, hey, cool. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, I 
I, uh, again, sorry, listeners, I'm probably morbiding you, maudling no, you all out. But uh, no, no. no, but I mean, I, I saw my dad that night. Yep. Um, or late, early that evening, and then I had to go to Melbourne that night for work. And I was seeing someone at the time, and she said, "Do you, uh, do you want to stay over tonight?" And I'm like, "I think I, I think I've got to go back to Geelong tonight." Yep. <laughs> and I did, and and, and yeah. Not long after I was back in Geelong, uh, I got a call from. Um, oh, so you, you mean you saw your old man? Before I saw him passed. alive. Okay, yes, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And then five or six hours later, he was gone. But you oh, know, I got to, and for some, I didn't. I don't think I knew. It was just that a sixth sense go, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I told him. Oh, I always told him that I loved him, but I definitely told him that time. Yeah. Before I yeah, before I left for Melbourne, and then yeah, I said, no, I think I've got to, I've got to go back to Geelong tonight. I'm sorry, and. Yep. Yeah, when I did, got a call. Yeah, later, uh, not long after I'd got back to, uh, down to G Town and um, said, "Oh, you better come into the hospital." So yeah, that was that. Sorry for that detour, listeners. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 a sweet story. Anyway, <laughs> back to <laughs> back to the Mozart story, <laughs> <laughs> which which is almost mask. over. Yeah, well, well, yeah, death masks, and, and that's when um, you proceed to leave the hospital and start selling death masks. Is that, that right? Indeed. Get your Bobby <laughs> death mask here. It's, it's fair to come unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> it's fair to come unbelievable that the guy would exploit his dad like this. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but what did happen in this episode is that Lisa, uh, aka Sally, uh, overcome by guilt and shame and all those mm. other emotions, just checks herself into the asylum wagon. <laughs> Oh, but wait a minute. Before uh, that, though, we get the, the reason she does that, or he does that, is because he offers the the requiem for Mozart, but Beethoven has beat beat him to the um to the punch. And in I the like form the, of Nelson. I like the ha 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 Very good. Yeah, it checks itself into the asylum. And that's the life of Mozart. Thank God he died young. I've got to get dinner on the stove. Mom, that sounds a lot like the movie Amadeus, which was historically inaccurate. Mozart worked hard on his music. Salieri was a respected composer. All I know is the guy who played Mozart was also in Animal House. Now there's a movie with good music. Animal House, house, house. Nobody ever went to class. Then we saw Donald Sutherland's ass. Animal House, house, house. Animal House, house, house. Then they did the end like American graffiti, where you found out what happened to everyone. I'm going to trust Lisa on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Amadeus is a very well-regarded movie. I think it won Best Picture at the uh, at the Oscars back in the day. Hey, look, the fucking Freddie Mercury movie, he didn't win Best Actor for that, and that movie is very incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think the actor who played Salieri in Amadeus won Best, uh, Best Actor as well, a guy named okay. F. Murray Abraham. Oh, wow, okay. Yes, uh, who does the voice of Conshu uh, or whatever it is in Moon Knight? It's all coming together, man. Yeah. Indeed. But, uh, Some people play F. Murray Kill. I play F. Murray Abraham. I thought it was interesting <laughs> that the that one of the previous um <laughs> one of the previous trilogy episodes that we had ended with the Ghostbusters ending, and this one ended with the a similar kind of like ending with just Homer singing the Animal House. This song. <laughs> Butchering the lyrics or coming up with his own, but... Uh, at least this one was somewhat funny. This one was a bit funny. <laughs> you can't American, see Donald like American ass. graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how faithful Amadeus is to um, to true life. I mean, Salieri apparently was 
yeah, as I said, a perfectly good composer. He's just no Mozart. But you know, who who the fuck is not who 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 is Mozart except Mozart and maybe exactly. Beethoven? Maybe Beethoven. That's right. So that is our magical history tour. One of the better trilogy episodes that we've had in recent times. Purely, as I said, because I enjoyed or understand the um the source material a lot more than the American folk tales and things like that. But Probably not going to be one I'm going to revisit anytime soon, but definitely not a negative, that's for sure. Absolutely. No, I uh, got a bit of a kick out of this one. I think the Sega Jawiz story is a bit of a slump, but starts well, doesn't completely disappoint in the middle, and ends with a... Uh, rounds out quite nicely, let me say. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, much to my chagrin, I discovered from the, the librarian at the very start of the episode that books are for squares. What's the last book that you read? Uh, that's a good question. Was it the Will Smith one? No, I, fin- well, I finished that a while ago and I've started some other stuff since then. Um, the Will Smith one, actually, I should reread it in, in the wake of the slap. Yeah, to see what C- it... Because it's... He, he talks... Uh, listeners will... will know that um, I've talked about it a bit in the past and how, yeah, Will Smith talks about he, his father was quite abusive and he sort of, he really loved and respected his father, but he's also a bit afraid of him. Seems uh, to be a, like a recurring thing. It's like people who become famous, like Will Smith's parents were, father was abusive. Tiger Woods' father was abusive. Michael oh, Jackson's father was abusive. Yeah. Sort of pushing them to succeed. I mean, mm. I mean, Will Smith is very adamant that... Um, my father gave me my drive to to succeed. That's what he yeah did. yeah yeah, um, and all that kind of stuff. But he also says, you know, near near the end of his father's life, he's like he's got his dad in a wheelchair, and he's at the, like the top of a flight of stairs or something. He goes, I could kill this guy, you know, and no one's going to blame me. I'm Will Smith, you know. I could get away with it. <laughs> that way, yeah. yeah, and yeah. He, he thinks about it, but he says, of course, I'm not going to do it. And you know, he resolves the issues that he has with his dad and all that, but. Yeah, there's clearly a lot of simmering anger and violence in the guy. And I think he acknowledges that and he's trying to work it out, but sometimes it just gets loose. Have you seen that video? It was from about two years ago, I think, of Jada doing a live stream. Yeah. And she brings Will into it when Will doesn't want to be on it. Yeah, and he's like, like my social media, like yeah, I don't want to do it. You've had so many amateur psychologists who seem to be on the money, though, saying... Look at his body language. Look at the way he's carrying himself. Look at the way he's talking. Yeah, listen to the way he's talking. Yeah, this is just unhappy and an unhappy person and uh, a lot of other people. She's just, think, she's just ridiculing him. Yeah. Now, you know, who's to know about the dynamics of another person's relationship? I mean, this could be the way they interact. This could He could view that as, oh, well, you know, I married a strong-willed woman or and this is how she treats me. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell. But it, yeah, it didn't. It it he didn't seem like a happy camper, did he? Something doesn't feel right about the whole thing. But anyway, we mm. won't get into that. But I learnt that. What you learn? Why go into that? I'll just say, I learnt that maybe it's time I start. I was going to discuss the Merkin. I just learnt, I learnt what a Merkin was basically. <laughs> I was going to say something. I was like, I won't say that. But basically, yes, Merkins apparently a thing. I wonder if people still wear them today. Do you know Nicholas got this friend? Actually, here's a story. Nicholas got this friend who's apparently going to this specialist who, because Nicholas' friend, I won't say her name, but is sick of shaving all the hair down there. So she's going to some specialist who removes all the hair. She's getting the laser. Yes, you never have to shave again. So it's just hair-free forever. Your thoughts? 
Look, it could it, it could be interesting. I mean, look, I'm I'm a hairy fella. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I am a, a bit of a hairy beast. Uh, re- and recently, I went for what they call a stress test to have my heart checked out because I'm okay. fifty two years old. And um, well, Shane Warne recently died of a heart attack. So yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing they do is they you know they put little um, sticker sensors all over your chest and all that. But because I'm a hairy fella, they they had to break out the clippers and like. Eh, 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 eh. And, and shave little did bits. Did they make you run on the treadmill and then have mold on the screen and say, what's this test for? Yeah. No test. I think it's just lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> That's what it, that was, was like. I mean, it was not a pleasant test. It's called a stress test for a reason. Um, but the lovely Louise, when she put her head on my chest later, was like, that's a bit prickly. <laughs> um, yeah, so the bits that are growing in are kind of like, I've got to wait for them to, <laughs> to grow and be a bit more lush yep. before, before she can... Yes, rest her head on my bountiful chest once again. From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, it's time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship for episode 11 of season 15. <laughs> I just think it's good that we sort of segued away from your friend who's getting the laser treatment downstairs. <laughs> Enough about that. <laughs> All right, new the, names. Yeah, for Magical History Tour, the current leaderboard stands at this. In first position, we have Nora Coker. In second position, we have Garode Harrowhill. And in third position, we have Luke McKay. Mm. All right. Hit me, Mr. Davis. Okay. Before we begin, a few explanations, disclaimers, whatever. I figured given this was a trilogy episode, uh, Mm. I'd want to award points to the new names that took in the whole thing not yes. just an individual segment. So, so there's going to be some honourable mentions based on individual segments, but the, yep. the ones that get points are actually more about the whole episode. Get where I'm coming from? I get you. Okay, so a few honourable mentions to begin with. Amadous. That comes from one D.L. Gorman. Ah, Mozart. <laughs> That's one Keith Nedham. Hey, Nedham. How you doing, Mr. Keith? Here things aren't going too great at the moment, so we're thinking of you. Shout out to, shout out to my man Keith Nedham. Uh, Sagajalisa. That one is also one D.L. Gorman. Oh, my goodness. Two D- notable mentions. D.L.'s throwing a bit of heat. Uh, the Plateful Eighth. Let's make that three notable mentions to D.L. Gorman. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and Domancing the Throne. That is Fergus Jeffs. Jeffs. Yes, because obviously people, Mr. Davis doesn't know how to send him the new names, as we say lately, and he just picks the new names, so there's no... No bias at all. He doesn't know who's going to be getting these points. It's just he gets the names, he picks the winners, and I give him the names as you guys listen. We are going in blind, folks. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get some points. Let's hand let's out some it. points, shall we? One point goes to History Reliance Theatre 3000. That goes to one Luke McKay. Well done, Ooh. Luke. He's still in third position, but that gets one point to Luke. What else we got? Okay. Two people are going to share two points each. Oh, very exciting. Yes. Treehouse of History. Treehouse of History goes to Nora Coker. Hey, there you go. Puts Nora on 14 points. Well done, Nora. You're just getting further and further ahead. Mm, two points also for the Chronicles of Marginia. The Chronicles of Marginia go to Fergus Jeffs, who also got a notable mention. But the way this works, people, is that if you get one point... According, if Guy Davis picks you for one point and then he accidentally picks you for two points as well, we're going to cancel out the one point and you're going to get whatever one is highest that he gives you. So Nora, you, he actually really enjoyed your name for, for the 
for the first one as well, but you were crossed off for one point and we moved up to the second point because you got the second point as well. So Norikoka and also Fergus Jeffs gets the two points as well. Well done, Fergus. So that let's puts find Fergus out. on five. Let's find out who gets three points. That's three points. Very exciting. Who is it? National Pantaloon Historical Vacation. Well done to Jack McCarthy. Jack McCarthy. Woohoo, Jack McCarthy. That's your first three-pointer for the season. So well done to Whoosh. Jack. Now on the leaderboard and into the wild card draw for the end of the season. Nice work, Jack. That is the new names for Magical History Tour. The current leaderboard stands in first position, Nora Coca, Garoda Harrowhill still in second, and Luke McKay still in third position. Nora is now four points clear still of uh, Garoda Harrowhill, who was in uh, second position on 10 points. So Nora Coca climbing away from the pack. There's still 10 episodes left this season, so plenty of time to catch up to her few three-pointers to get you right back up there in the mix to win first prize and win yourself some cold hard cash. But don't forget, guys, if you just want to be a part of the Guy Davis New York Championship and get your name on the leaderboard, just one point will do it. And once you're on the leaderboard, you go into the wild card draw at the end of the season to potentially win a prize as well. Just got to do so by being a part of the Four Finger Discount family on Patreon. Ooh. All right, Mr. Davis, it is now time for the mailbag. Yeah. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! Okay, so this first question comes from Andrew JP. Andrew JP says, I'll just read, going in blind, I don't know what they say. If you could create your own Simpson Disney Plus short, what idea would yours be? Your own Disney Plus short. Mm. Something Sideshow Bob related. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see Sideshow Bob used as like, you know how you get those shows like Castle and things like that where they get someone who's, or even like... um. What's the show with Reddington? What's it called? Oh, The Blacklist. Blacklist. A blacklist kind of show where you get Sideshow Bob in to help people solve crimes. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Um, I imagine I would... We mentioned Rainier Wolfcastle before, someone I enjoy. So I don't know if they, they've probably done... They've done buddy stuff with Rainier and Homer in the past. I don't know. I think, that'd be, I think that could that, be That fun. would be good, though. Yeah, yeah like that. an actual full-on... Action comedy with yeah. um, <laughs> with uh, Homer and Rainier Wolfcastle as mismatched fool, partners. You are fool. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we do get some scenes like Homer with the um oh a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question here comes from Jordan Seville. Jordan says, "What part of recent history? He means in the past fifty years. Yes. Would you like a Simpsons segment based on the last fifty years? A piece of history? The Fire Festival?" Oh gosh, Spring Springfield, <laughs> the Spring Springfieldians having to embrace or not embrace, but just live through the um, shenanigans of the, <laughs> the fire festival. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, so, piece of actual proper history though. Uh, the Simpsons could take off and do it well. Mm. I'm trying something to think of like morbid. good history. Yeah, something that's not morbid. Something years. that's not good. Yeah, what's what's a sporting one that we could do where someone overcomes an injury and wins or something? I don't know. What could what could be good? It's something along those lines. Is like, what if um, Springfield like seceded from the United States for some reason? You know, there was some someone like Quimby found a bylaw, uh, or like a weird loophole or something. Yep, and he's able to succeed Springfield from the United States, and a, as a publicity stunt, enters like an Olympic, a bunch of Olympic teams in the next Olympics as like. And now the American team, and now the Springfield team, and you know, you've got a whole bunch of Springfield residents walking in and doing various. Uh, and you can have various. You can have going, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Mark Boston Burgess says. So he says, no doubt you guys were both child prodigies. 
Well, you were, Mr. Davis. You <laughs> Geelong grammar boy. But he says, what were your talents slash interests as children? I've always had an interest in radio. The radio, pod, not podcast, but radio. Because there's actually a tape of me when I'm four. And I, remember, I still remember recording it. I can actually visualize it in my head. And we used to have an old tape recorder where you put the tape in, push record, record your own voice. You can play it back. Hmm. And mum still got the tape. And it's, it's from 1992. So I was, I was literally four, late 1992. And it's just me singing songs that I watched on play school and me just talking and doing my own plays and things like that. And just play. I had my toy characters and I was going, hey, hey, Toxic Crusader. What? And I'm playing with my toys. Toxic Crusader is <laughs> one of them. And I just love the idea of hearing my voice like on this radio. It just always fascinated me. And then when I was six, I became... It's a weird story. I won't go into it. It's a long story. But I ended up becoming an on-air personality at the local country Western Station 89.1, Country FM. I remember you telling us about this. Yeah, yeah. So I used to go on there on a Saturday night and do radio. And then I forgot that. I guess that's where my love of podcasting was born, that kind of thing. And then I did the community radio. Then it became K-Rock. And then I was like, fuck radio. I'm going to do podcasts and talk about The Simpsons. And that's where <laughs> Four Finger Discount came from. So I've always had an interest in the audio form, like in radio, and just recording my voice and hearing it back, I've, just, I've always loved that concept. What about you? Well, it's funny because, I mean, I had something similar when I was a, a youngster as well. Yeah. Uh, my good mate JP, not Andrew JP, but uh, my good friend John Perry and I. Mm. Uh, friend. Used to record, oh, we, we've known each other since we were like six or something. Okay. And when we were, yeah, nine or ten, used to record like uh, our own radio shows on just a little cool. tape recorder. And, you know, fold a bit of music in there and you know, songs that we liked and all that kind of yep. stuff. I remember dad found like a tape of it once and I'm like, don't listen to it. It's rubbish. Like, it's garbage. Yeah, no, you're, you're always embarrassed by it, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Dad said, that's not bad. <laughs> and dad was on the radio. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> maybe, and maybe that's where it started from. Maybe seeing your dad do it or hearing your dad do it. was like, oh, that's cool. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, there is a, a big... Your, your dad was always a personality, wasn't he? He was. There's a big hemi theatrical streak in both the Davis side and the Rosser side. But Rosser is my mum's maiden name. Yeah. My uh, One of my uncles was a jazz drummer on mum's side. One was an actor. Um, I did a bit, a bit of amateur acting. My, one of my sisters did as well. Uh, my nephew Rory is very... Uh, performative in that regard he, he fronted a metal band for a while and you know now he's behind the camera on stuff and yeah dad similarly was yeah he just had a big personality and was a bit of a performer in that regard so what can i say you know but bit of a slice of ham in the uh in in the davis clan slight anecdote so i was driving we call him uncle ned his name's actually alan alan closey right <laughs> we call him uncle ned i was driving him home on easter uh you come over on so you come over on sunday I was driving him home because it was funny because I, I called him on Sunday morning. I went, do you want to come over for lunch? We're having a family barbecue. He goes, yeah. Bed picked me up though. I had a few beers last night. I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> so I was driving him home and we at the lights here, Ballarat Road, Tom, uh, Thompson, yeah, Thompson Road, Ballarat Road. Mm-hmm. And he points to the Parkwood and he goes, I, I said, oh, you see, I was going to tell him that your dad built it. He goes, I, I said, you see that, that over there? And he goes, yeah. Because Bobby Davis uh, used to run that. And I was like, yeah, he did. He goes, yeah, yeah. I used to play golf with Bobby all the time. Oh. He goes, he goes, Great golfer, great golfer. He goes, funny bloke, but oh man, some of the some of the rounds I saw. He used to play golf with him. He goes, some of the rounds him and I used to have on the on Queens Park. Woof, what a golfer! And my uncle, my uncle Ned or Alan, was offered the chance to go pro, and he didn't do it. He, he chose to go drive trains instead. He always had a passion of driving trains. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he used to <laughs> pl- he used to play golf with your old man. 
Holy moly. What was his name again? Alan... Alan Closey. And he lives on... He's lived in the same house his whole life. Hundred, I won't say the actual number, but yeah. he lives on Church Street near Minerva Road. So he obviously just lived up the road and... Well, he's, yeah, near, he, yeah, he's near me. Yeah. So he apparently used to play golf with your old man on a weekly basis. Did you... Say to him, oh, I podcast with his son yes, on he, a daily he, he, mate, on yeah, a regular he goes, basis. Yeah, he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, oh, yeah, I know, I know him. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> Jesus. But obviously you would have known you when you were much younger because yeah. he used to play golf with your old man. Yeah, apparently your dad was a great golfer. Dad uh, dad enjoyed golf. I think mum was even a better golfer than dad. Really? Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I played golf for a little while, but uh, it's an let's expensive... Go hit. Let's go have a hit one day. Let's get the get the ladies on the... Um, on the I mean, see... I say it sounds sexist, I know. They'd get the ladies on the car and we would play golf. But Nicola, <laughs> God bless her, when, she, when we play golf together, she's not very good. And if I try to teach her, it's a case of, right, can you show me what to do? I'm like, all right, cool. First, do this. Yeah, I've got it. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, you don't because yeah. you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> all in the hips. Yeah, it's all in the hips. Just tap it in. <laughs> tap it, tap, tap. But um, yeah, we should definitely go out for a hit. I mean, I live on a golf course. <laughs> well, maybe even just the driving range. Yeah, that's a bit of fun. Driving that that way you can just do some happy Gilmores and it's all a bit of all a bit of a joke. Indeed. Yes. All right, one more question. <laughs> one, one more question, we'll wrap this up. Um actually we've got two more here. Let's why not let's just do two. Two okay. more. Kevin Flood. Kevin Dental Plan Flood. If you could use if, or if you could see one artist that has passed away slash band that has broken up. So one artist who has passed away or band that has broken up, who would it be? Mm. If you could see one artist I guess perform live, I guess Kevin's asking. I'd go to a Doors concert. You go to a Doors concert, that'd be pretty cool. Probably get his wang out for you. Yeah. Um, did that actually happen, though? I believe so. I think, I, I think just he once. expose himself. Yeah, yeah, just once. I mean, I've got to say John Lennon, right? I've got his fucking name on, tattooed on me. True. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to, yeah. Apparently, I don't think John Lennon was very good live, though. But it's just see, be able to say that you saw John Lennon live would yeah. be pretty amazing. Uh, final question here. Fergus Jeffs, which period of world history strikes your interest the most? Hmm... I think 70, the 70s rock and roll era for me. Yeah. The music scene. When I was a kid, I was very into Egyptology. So ancient Egypt when? kind of did it for me. You uh, for really dig moonlight then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of more recent periods, I've always been of a mind that I would love to have lived in New York in the 50s, London in the 60s, LA in the 70s. You're, you're big on 70s LA, aren't you? You put photos up all the time. Yeah. Love it. The neon and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think is that because you think like the films were just the best back then, or do you just, no, do you just dig yeah. just dig the vibe of the era? Just the whole vibe of the era. It was a little more. I don't know. It was. It, it struck me as a time that less was kind less of cautious, a little less cautious. Probably as depressing it is as it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, with a bit of hindsight, we're able to look. Eh. But some of the stuff was good. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. music, the movies. Um, I don't know. You could smoke inside. <laughs> Pe- people didn't. People didn't seem to think of the. What ifs? It was just, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just do it. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cool. All right. Well, that is the uh, mailbag for Magical History Tour. I hope you guys enjoyed the review. As we say, these trilogy episodes aren't really much to go. There's not really much to go really in depth with, but we usually go on some side tangents, which we certainly did in this episode, didn't we, Mr. Davis? <laughs> we did a whole lot of... Um, Merkins, death masks. <laughs> a whole lot of uh, Dando and Guy history tour. Yeah, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to all that. The next episode is called Millhouse Doesn't Live Here Anymore. 
So hope you guys are looking forward to hearing us review that one. Don't forget, guys, if you do enjoy everything we do here at Four Finger Discount and you want to show some support, you can do so for as little as one single dollar redo. One single dollar redo. Mm. And join the family at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount where you will get access for just a dollar to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, the Facebook group, and much, much more. And the more you contribute, the more access to more and more things you get. And uh, including prize draws and much, much more as a patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Please also don't forget to continue following us on Twitter and uh, on face- uh, Facebook and Instagram. By the way, guys, Facebook finally fixed. So you may be wondering for the last year, why is the four-finger discount page not really been appearing on my feed? And why does it seem very, very quiet? Well, about a year ago, I mentioned this on the on the, um, on the the show, we got fucked over. People, Someone reported Ooh. one of the posts that we put out and it wasn't even bad, but the algorithm just fucked us around. And it turns out once a year has ticked over it clears your name and you go back to free again oh. like you're all, you're in the green I was like so I got on there and I posted something and all of a sudden one post reached 1.8 million people in two days and I was like huh I'm what's going back, on here baby. and I went to the page quality and it was all green you are good to go we are now recommending you to people and I was like ah oh, alright the four finger discount Facebook page is back baby <laughs> so um yeah so I'm very excited about that that happened this week so you'll see more and more hopefully in your feed four finger discount posts it's going to start pushing out to people again because for the last year it's been going your page is at risk of being unpublished we are not pushing your post to anybody you will not be getting any organic you know uh, um, engagement all that yeah, kind of stuff and now now we're finally getting that all again so follow us on Facebook as well if you're not and uh, yes, yeah, so I just want to appreciate, I just want to let you guys know that we do appreciate all of your support listening to the show. You guys are all absolute champions. Thank you so much for continuing to listening to the show. Uh, we love you all. Don't forget, join the Four Finger Discount family if you want to show some extra support and get access to a bunch of exclusives. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those beautiful listeners out there? Papa, may I have some Four Finger Discount? <laughs> you guys need to see the facey pool when he did that as well. <laughs> it was both Fop and Dandy. Shh.